And this week is Parsha Vayeshev, and per popular request, we're doing something related to Hanukkah this week and certainly next week, um, which is Chaval, because a lot of, a lot of great stories in Vayeshev and Kates, but it is what it is. And, uh, Hanukkah always comes this time of year, and most years we actually ignore Hanukkah. This year we're going to pay attention to it. Uh, before starting, I just want to mention a friend, um, who it was a, the matriarch of a very impressive family, a beautiful family, the Graber family from Memphis, Mrs. Evelyn Graber, Elka Zelda, uh, Bat Yosef, who passed away, uh, a couple of days ago. The funeral was, uh, was, I believe on Sunday. Uh, and, uh, she was really, uh, uh, a, a neat lady. Uh, and we had the pleasure of spending many Sachim with the Graber family and they participated in our Shirim. And, um, just want to mention her name and dedicate the Shir to, to her memory. Um, the, we're all familiar with the central sugya of Hanukkah. Uh, we've studied here in this form a number of times. And just one quick note, you'll notice that the central sugya of Hanukkah appears in Masachat Shabbat. And that's because there is no Masachat Hanukkah. And there's no Masachat Hanukkah. There's a bunch of theories as to why there isn't a Masachat Hanukkah. The most likely one was that the rabbis really weren't all that happy with the Hashmonaim. And the heroes of the Hanukkah story turned out to be, or at least their, their father, descendants, their progeny turned out to be anti-rabbinates and brutal people, and in some cases more Greek than the Greeks. And so there was a lot of dissatisfaction with them, and that may be the reason that there was no Masachat Hanukkah. One could make the argument that there's just not a whole lot to talk about, and therefore there was no Masachat Hanukkah, but um, there's also other things that we have that are very small and take up very little room, and uh, we found a way to pad the Mishnayot, uh, like Masachat Bikurim and Masachat uh, Moed Katan, to pad it with other material that's related on Megillah and Rosh Hashanah, uh, and so theoretically it could have fit in, or there could have been a uh, a parak dedicated to it in um, in Tanit or Megillah or in Moed Katan, but there's actually no Mishnayot about Ner Hanukkah at all. Hanukkah is mentioned in the Mishnah only in the context of it being a date, like in the case of Bikurim, or in the in the context of Kriyat Torah, um, but uh, not. Their Hanukkah, and their Hanukkah itself is mentioned only one time in the Mishnah, and that's in that very incidentally in the context of Nizke Eish, of causing damage through fire, and if the fire started within their Hanukkah. So there really isn't, but the, the editors of the Bavli, when they came to put all of the material that they had about Hanukkah together, they put it in to the second chapter of Masachat Shabbat, because Masachat Shabbat, the second chapter is focused on Ner Shabbat. So Ner Shabbat, Ner Hanukkah, and that kind of connection led to it being put in here. But in any case, the central sugya is one we're looking at here. And it's one of those things like Ashrei that people are so familiar with, they don't realize how bizarre it is. Right? In the case of Ashrei, teaching Ashrei, by the way, is very difficult. Uh, it's difficult because everybody thinks they know it because they say it all the time. And you have to kind of break it down to show, I don't really understand what that means, and then you could teach it. Same thing with this sugya. It's so well known that we don't stop and think about how odd it is. And so I'm going to show you already in the, in the first two paragraphs of what we have here, five things that are hugely weird. And then we'll try to, uh, deconstruct it and then reconstruct it and explain what, what's going on. Tanarabanan. Now Tanarabanan always introduces a brighta, right? Which means the brighta is anchored in Eretz Yisrael from the times of the Tanaim. That's, that's the impression we have. 
Mitzvot Chanukah Ner Ishu Beto, which means the basic mitzvah of Chanukah is Ner Ishu Beto. I don't want to use the word candle because that's misleading. A Ner really is a cup, usually made of earthenware, sometimes of metal. Inside is some oil or other fuel and a wick. That's a Ner. So we use the word Ner. The mitzvah of Chanukah is Ner Ishu Beto, one Ner per household, which means that now, regardless of how many people you have in your household, you light one nair on the first night, and on the second night, you light one nair. And the whole week costs you, the whole holiday costs you eight nairot. Really, one nair that you refill, um, you know, eight, eight nairot full of oil is what it costs you. Vaham mehadrin, and this is weird thing number one, which is we do not have anywhere else in our literature where it describes, here's how you do a mitzvah, and here's a better way to do the mitzvah. Most of that is kind of left up to the generic notion of Hidur Mitzvah, which involves spending more money to aesthetically beautify a mitzvah with a nicer lulav, more expensive etrog, etc. But here we're given specific direction of the group called the Mahadrin. This is what they would do. By the way, we're not told, we're not told if you want to be Mahadrin, here's how you do it, but rather this is what the Mahadrin do. What do they do? Ner l'cholachad v'echad. Right? Which Simply read means that I, the head of the household, light, instead of one, I light seven. Because I have seven people in my family. So I light seven. Right? That's the hidur. Not to light one per household, but one per person. And the second night, seven. The third night, seven. And the whole week costs you, essentially, the number of people in your household times eight. The hamehadrin, min hamehadrin. This is weird thing number three. That there's now, excuse me, there's now, uh, Another deeper or more beautiful way to do the mitzvah. So we're not given just a choice of basic and mahadrin, which is unprecedented. We're given basic mahadrin and mahadrin, 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 which is even more unprecedented, if you could say such a thing. All right. And now what is it the mahadrin and mahadrin do? So this is word thing number three. Is Beit Shammai Omer Mishom Nadlik Shmona Mikan Ve'alech Pochet Ve'alech Ve'alech Omer Mishom Nadlik Achad Mikan Ve'alech Pochet Ve'alech Everybody in the world knows this. Beit Shammai says you start with eight, go down to one. Beit Hillel says you start with one, go up to eight. Machloket Rishonim, between the Ri and, and the Rambam and others, about whether this means that you do Mahadrin and then on top of that Mahadrin and Mahadrin like the Rambam. So in the Rambam's famous example, if you have ten people in the house, the first night you light ten, the second night you light twenty, etc. They don't light, you light, and then the last night you light eighty. Uh, or like the Ri says, that it goes back to the basic, which is one per household, and the second night two for the household, and on the last night you have eight. That's an interesting machloket, uh, which we're not going to be able to touch into right now. Now, weird thing number four. Amar Ula, pligi batre amaroi b'marava. So Ula reports, coming from Eretz Yisrael, that in Eretz Yisrael, there's a machloket amoraim in Eretz Yisrael, and who are the amoraim? Rabbi Yossi Baravid, Rabbi Yossi Barzvida. All right, and notice notice what they have in common. What do they have in common? <clears throat> Besides for their name? Yeah, no, that's it. That's what they, they're both Yossi. Which leads to the following. Chadamar, and then on the next line of Chadamar, meaning Ula doesn't report what Yossi Barzvida said or Yossi Arvin said. He said one of them said, one of them said, because he doesn't remember which one said what, because they're both named Yossi. This, by the way, happens in other places, where these two Amorai are quoted in the Bavli, we say Chadamar v'Chadamar, but we don't know which one said what, evidently because of the confusion of the names. Remember, it's all oral. All right, 
So Yossi number one said, Tama de Beit Shamai Kenegi Demim Hanichasim, but Tama de Beit Hillel Kenegi Demim Hayotzin. That the reason Beit Shamai is saying that you go eight to one is, now by the way, before we go further, this is weird thing number five or four, which is that there's actually weird thing number five, because let's go back a second. We have uh, Mehadrin, which is strange. We had Mehadrin Minah Mehadrin, which is now doubly strange. We now have a Machlok at Bechav Midhil about how to do Mehadrin Minah Mehadrin, which is trebly strange. And now the fourth thing, I think about the fourth, is we have a machloket about Beit Shema Bidhila. You figure out how odd that is. Now, I'll, I'll go back to number three for a second. We're familiar with machlokot Beit Shema Bidhila. They are legion all over the place. Those machlokot are all about essential things in halacha. Is this a kosher sukkah or not? What order do you make the brachot in, in Kiddush Friday night? Right? Is this, uh, is this thing tamay or not? It's a, it's a binary question of, of the chatchila, do it this way or that. The diavad, are you yotze? Is it a shear? Whatever it might be. Here the machloket is about how to do the super duper, which is odd. And then, fourth thing is, there's a machloket about their machloket. Right? Which is, Yossi versus Yossi. Yossi number one says, the Beit Shammai's position is, to let me know how many days are yet to come. And Beit Hillel says, how many days have gone? Okay. The Chadamar, Tamad of Beit Shammai, Kenegad Pareachag, with Tamad of Beit Hillel, the Malin Bakodesh Fein Moridim. The other one says, the Machloket is essentially anchored in the behavior of the Beit HaMikdash. You have to remember that, um, that in the Mikdash, generally, anytime that we're involved in, an, in a sequence of things involved in Kiddushah, we always go up. That's Malin Bakodesh Fein Moridim. The famous exception to the rule that almost proves the rule is the the diminishing sequence of bulls brought on Sukkot. On the first day, ring 13, the next day, 12, etc., down to 7. And so you could ask, so what does Sukkot have to do with Hanukkah? The answer is it has everything to do with Hanukkah. In the first century BCE, Sukkot was, Hanukkah was actually called Sukkot of Kislev. And if you look at Maccabees 2 in chapter 10, You'll see that in the letter that they wrote to the community in Alexandria, explaining them about what the story and and trying to imp- and persuade them to adopt this holiday, the story that they tell is that we came into the Mikdash and we remembered our inability to celebrate Sukkot properly just two months earlier, and so we built the Mizbeach and we set up a holiday for eight days and we took lulav and etrog and walked around the Mizbeach. All right, so. Sukkot of Kislev, which of course is modeled after, evidently after Pesach Sheni, the idea that you have like a do-over a little bit later. And so taking one of the nuances of the Korbanot of Sukkot and applying it to Hanukkah is not so strange. All right, good. So we have, again, weird thing number four is we have this machloket um, between uh, be- between Amorim and Eretz Yisrael to explain the super-duper Way to do it, and the machloka b'chamin held about the super duper. And a weird thing number five is here. Amar Rabba Baruchan Rabbi Yochum have another report from Eretz Yisrael. Shnei's kenim ayuvet Saidan. There were two scholars in the town of Saidan. Saidan is on the north coast of the Kinneret. Echad asakim v'chamar v'echad asakim v'evitilel, which is weird because we're now talking of a report from Rabbi Yochanan, and we assume this is happening in Rabbi Yochanan's life, and that means that this is. 
Rabbi Yochanan died in the year 299. Rabbi Yochanan's life is after the Mishnah. And we certainly are accustomed to the idea that early on in the game, early on in the Tanaitic era, disputes between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel were settled, usually in favor of Beit Hillel. And from that point on, Beit Shammai was like the Mishnah, it says in, in Adiot, ain't a Mishnah. Doesn't count. It's not an, not an opinion. The Mishnah and Adiot even ask, why do we even mention Beit Shammai's opinion? So to let you know that there was such an opinion. <clears throat> but not because it's an act of halachic choice. So here we have two Zakinim. One is doing eight to one, the other is doing one to eight. And then when asked, why do you go eight to one? He says, ooh, parechag. He says, why do you go one to eight? Ooh, malim bakodesh. Which supports Yossi number two in his explanation. But you understand, we have lots of strange things going on here. All right. Well, I'm going to continue before we start trying to solve the weird things, because we're not going to leave today without or offering a, a, a solution. I don't want anybody to lose sleep or get confused lighting it in the hot candles, okay, we should have it settled. So the next line in the Gemara is another bright. Tanu Rabbanan, Ner Chanukah mitzvah l'anicha al-petach beitol mibachutz. The mitzvah of Ner Chanukah is to put it outside, right next to your doorway, outside. Mayadar ba'aliyah. Aliyah here doesn't mean a second story. Aliyah means if you live in a loft, which means you don't have a doorway. You go into somebody else's house and then go up a ladder to the loft, then you put it in the window that faces the most public area. If it's times of danger, what do you do? You put it on your table and that's enough. Now, that's not so, that the statement in itself is not so strange. It says there's an ideal place to put Nechanika, but it should be outside next to your door. If you don't have a door, then there's another option. And then, don't think that if you can't put it outside because it's dangerous, don't do it at all. Put it on your table and that's good enough. That's fine. But look at the next line and you'll see how strange it is. The next line, which we always understand to be a separate statement, but I don't think it is, is Amar Rava, Sarich Ner Acheret Lishtamesh Rava says you need another Ner if you want to use its light. Its light, by the way, in the singular. Now, what is Rava talking about? Well, we call a shamash. Right? In other words, if you want to read using Ner Hanukkah or count money or play backgammon or whatever it might be, you need to have another Ner there. We're all familiar with that law, and that's the shamash. But if there's a bonfire going, you don't need it. Now, let's stop and ask. Where do you have a medura? It's not really a bonfire. It's like a, a fire in the fireplace. So where's the fireplace? Where's your fireplace? It's in your house. All right? So that means that Rava says you need another ner if you want to read by ner Hanukkah. Let's say read or whatever. And if there's a fire going in the fireplace, lo you don't need it. Why? Why would then you there not be, need what? Because there won't be any chashash that you're actually directly benefiting from the Hanukkah. Because you have this big fire. It's like if you sit in a house with lights on, then you can read. Except the problem is, where's your near Hanukkah supposed to be? According Outside. To Outside. So what does the Medurah help? That's the problem. Maybe That's it's directly right. following Manichel Shulchan Good. So we're going to see. Good. 
So, but remember that that's only the Shata Sakana, correct? So, we, we have to put this together. The Rambam says what you're saying, and we're, we're going to use that. And now, it gets stranger. The E Adam Chashuvu. If the guy we're talking about is an important person, a rich person, whatever it might be, Rashi points out, he normally has his own personal light, even if there's a Medura. Picture the Harvard Club. I've never been there. A picture of the Harvard Club. You walk in, deep, pan, dark wood paneling, low lights, guy named Jeeves coming out and serving you a very fine uh, bourbon, actually cognac probably, and uh, everybody's got their own little lamp next to their spot. Even it may be well lit. There's a little lamp. It's your own private lamp. That's Adam Chashu. I would picture that. I've never been to the Harvard Club. All right. So, so even though there's a Medurah going, you still need another there. So we have to clarify what's going on here. The Adam Chashu part is kind of easy to understand because, like Apircha said, if somebody sees the Adam Chashuv reading with the Ner Hanukkah, even though there's a lot of light, they know this guy always has his own Ner. That Ner must be his own Ner and not Ner Hanukkah. Okay. But we still have to clarify what's what the whole purpose of the Shamash here is. The, the, the lack, in fact, you don't need a Shamash if there's a Medura going, if you're supposed to, if the Ner Hanukkah is supposed to be outside. Okay, next piece. And this is from later on in the, in the Sugiot of Hanukkah. Is another difficulty we have. We go back to Ravuna. Let's say you have a nair. Remember, that's why I said a nair. Don't call it a candle. Call it a, a, a vessel that has an opening, and you fill it with oil and put the wick through the opening and light it. What if it has two openings? It counts for two people. Meaning, we're going to what we'll call the Mahadrin, and there's two people in the house. You could use one thing with one thing of oil and two wicks, and that's okay. Amar Rava, Milei So let's say you take a bowl, fill it with oil, and put a bunch of wicks in it. Kafa lehakli, if you then cover it with, let's say, a strainer, so that each hole has a wick coming out. Olela come and add on, it counts for a bunch of people. How many people you have? You got ten wicks, that's ten people. Lo kafa lehakli asa kamin If you don't, then you got it's a bonfire. You don't have separate flames, you have one big flame. I feel a chad nami and all that doesn't even count for one because a medura is not near Hanukkah. Okay, fine. But here's the question. How come both Ravuna and Rava identified the possibility of multiple nerot in one ner as counting for multiple people? And how come neither one of them suggested that'll work on the second night? How come Ravuna didn't say, if you have a ner with state piot, you could use it on the second night of Kornabay Hill or on the seventh night of Kornabay Chama if you want to do that. That doesn't even come up. They don't even mention that as a possibility. So what I'd like well, to why do... They? What? I mean, why, why should he mention that? I mean, Because if his whole point is to say that when you have two separate openings, then they count as separate Nerot, the easiest thing to say would be that will count on your second night because you have now two Nerot. And, and, and Rava could easily say, you know, what you could do on the sixth night is make a, fill a bowl with oil and cover, and, and cover it with a clee that has six holes and stick six wicks out and you're set. But they, they doesn't even come up. All they talk about is banana done. I, I, so I, I, I thought, I, I thought the reason why is that, is that that's Pshita. 
there's the fact that one person can take one kli and and divide it up and yeah. make it into separate candles. That's not a chish. The chish is that two different people can use the same kli, and that can be, and they can both be. Oh, I, 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 I disagree. I don't think that's what he's saying. Olelakam of Adam means I, as the head of the household, I have two people in my house. I can light for both of them with that. In other words, if you if you look at the Rambam, you'll see the way the Rambam reads Mahadrin. Mahadrin does not mean that each person lights an air. Mahadrin means that the head of the household lights an air on behalf of each person or counting each person. And so what Rav is saying is that if I have two people in the house, or Rav is saying if I have ten people in the house, I can fill a bowl of oil, take a clea and pop ten holes in it, pop ten wicks in it, and I can cover all ten of them. But there's no mention about about the fact that you have multiple candles multiple they wrote on different nights. All right, so let's take a look because we've already identified in the opening sugya at least five things that are pretty strange. And I think you all agree that they're pretty strange. The whole mention of the Mahadrin here, the fact there's a Machloket in Mahadrin, Mina Mahadrin, etc. It's all very strange. And the fact that the Machloket in Eretz Yisrael is about the Machloket just makes the, the whole issue even more difficult to understand. So I'd like to suggest, and this is based really on the work of, of Professor Shama Friedman, that what we have here in this apparent write-up is really a hybrid of two different traditions. Let's start with this. If you take a look, and this is not only in the sugyot that you have here, and all the sugyot that you find, which are almost all of them bavli, there's very little mention of any practice in Eretz Yisrael when it comes to Chanukah. And by the way, if you look in the Yushalmi, it's very hard to find anything about Chanukah in the Yushalmi. So mention here and there, none of this, the details of how to light. <clears throat> if you take a look through all the, all the sugyot, it seems to be pretty clear that in the bavli, the, the Babylonian tradition was, to light one candle. And, um, and that the, and so let's take a look here. As an example, um, Rava therefore says, meaning there's only one there. And that's why le'ora in the singular. And therefore, you need a second one if you want to read by that nair because of the problem of people recognizing what it's for or the Kedusha, whatever it might be, for whatever reason. Right? Um, now, given that as a premise, I'd like us to take a look at our Brita with a slightly different take. Here, I've reproduced the Brita and the discussion around it. But I have color-coded it, and I don't mean nothing political with these colors. I just want them to be stark differences. Should have probably used green, but green and red this in December is always a mess. So I use blue and red. All right? Um, if this was November, I would have used green, because blue and red in November is always a mess. All right? Um, the the Brita that we're looking at, I believe, is a hybrid between two Mesorot, the Mesorah of Eretz Yisrael and the Mesorah of Bavel. And so I'm going to read right now what I think is the Mesorah from Eretz Yisrael. Chanukah, and by the way, in all of the Eretz Yisrael literature, Chanukah, the word Chanukah refers to the Ner, and it's not called Ner Chanukah, it's called Chanukah. 
right? And it's also dealt with, by the way, in the feminine, as we'll see. In other words, Beit Shammai says, the way to do Ner Chanukah is you start with eight and go down. This is not Mahadrin Menahadrin. This is not anything special. This is the way to do it. Now, if we accept that premise, and I'll demonstrate and I'll support it in a minute, if we accept that premise, that when you look at the blue, and here it's a little clear, um, bum, 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 no, it, it's, um, yeah, if you accept the blue as being the core tradition of marriage Israel, suddenly three of the weirdnesses go away in one shot. I have to demonstrate that it's true. Weirdness number one is the whole notion of Mahadrin and Mahadrin. doesn't exist. Second of all, Beit Shammai having a disagreement about Mahadrin and Mahadrin doesn't exist. They're disagreeing about how to do the mitzvah on its essential level. And third thing is the notion that there's a machloket about the machloket Beit Shammai is not we're not strange anymore at all. Because the machloket's not about Mahadrin and Mahadrin. The machloket's about the essential way to do the mitzvah. Beit Shammai says the way you have to do the mitzvah is have eight neirot on the first night. By the way, eight neirot for the household. Not per person. Eight they wrote for the household, outside by your door on the first night. Second night, seven, etc. And Beit Hillel says, first night you got to have one, and then two, and that's how you have to do the mitzvah. And then there's a machloket amoraim about what their reasoning is. Now, by the way, let me point out right away the difficulty that the re points out, um, which now goes away. The difficulty that the re points out is as follows. If you argue that the reason for having either one to eight or eight to one, what we do, one to eight, is to notify people about what day it is, either counting up or counting down, then you have the following problem. If you do Mahadrin and Mahadrin, let's say I have four people in my house. So according to that, Beit Hillel, third night I'm going to have 12 Nerot, right? Somebody sees 12 and they wrote. What do they know? They don't know what night it is. It could be one, the first night there's 12 people. It could be the sixth night there's two people. For the second night there's six people. Third, fourth. You can, 12 is the best number to play with because you have all the possibilities. Right? So therefore the re says that Mahadrin and Mahadrin means there's still one, now go back to one per household and second night two per household. And that way people know what night it is. That's a very famous sheet of the Re that ended up getting adopted by the Tor and the Shulchan Aruch. That's the way that the, that the Sephardim and the Rambam mentions. That's what everybody in the, in the Sephardi world does, even though he disagreed. Which means that now we understand Beit Shah and Beit Hillel in the, the way that in Eretz Yisrael Hanukkah was commemorated was to have one per household and then two per household and three per household or eight per household and seven, et cetera. And that's all you had. You had out there one, and that's the essential mitzvah. The essential mitzvah was to put it outside and to broadcast how long this holiday is or what day it is. All right? Now, in the meantime, what's happening in Bavel? And by the way, you will notice that the whole issue of a shamash is a Bavli issue. It's a Babylonian issue. It starts with Rava. We don't hear any mention in, in the literature of marriage as well about a shamash, right? But we're going to go further than that. 
Let's see what the tradition was in Bavel. In Bavel, it was mitzvat Chanukah. That's how it's referred to either mitzvat Chanukah or ner Chanukah. Mitzvat Chanukah, that's the Babylonian tradition, ner ishu veto. Meaning, what's the mitzvah? One ner. Beham mehadrin, people who want to beautify it, what do they do? Ner lechol echad vechad. That's what they do. You want to beautify the mitzvah, what do you do? You have one per person. But there's no such thing as changing the amount of nerot per night. That's what's going on in Bavel always, which is why you have the following. Rav Huna in Bavel says, if you have a, a bowl with oil and you pop a cover on it, it can count for, he, he says if it has two openings, Rav Huna, it'll count for two people. There's no such thing as second night, because second night and first night aren't any different in Bavel. And Rava says, in Bavel, if you have a bowl and you fill it with oil and pop it over and you got 10 wicks, it counts for 10 people. There's no such thing as five people uh, on the second night. Because in Bavel, the first night and the second night and third night are not differentiated. They're not done differently. But we're going to add to that yet another component. Where did they light in Eretz Yisrael? The answer is quite clear. Chanukah, mitzvah lahanicha. Al petach beitomi bachutz. In all the Eretz Yisrael literature, Chanukah is always dealt with in, as a feminine, and it's the word Chanukah is modifying. So this bright is definitely Eretz Yisrael. Mitzvah lahanicha al petach beitomi bachutz. The mitzvah is to put it outside, and if you don't have a door, you put it in the window. That's it. The window that's closest to the Rishut Rabbim. What's Shata Sakana? So something that's absolutely wild is if you look at Rashi. Rashi here on Shata Sakana says that the Persians had a law on their holiday. He's talking about the Zoroastrians. They had a fire festival in the winter. And on their festival, they had a rule. And by the way, it's, it's critical to note that with the rise of the Sasanians in the middle of the third century, during the era of Shmuel, the Sasanians, Shavar Malka, famous, empowered the Zoroastrian priests and gave them the ability to go out and sort of, it's kind of a little bit kind of like uh, what we see happening these days in Iran, where they go and police people about how they're supposed to dress, etc. They had a lot more power to police. And therefore, they had the power to come, and if you had an, any fire going that they could see, they'd come and trash your house. There's a sugi in Shabbat, Adat Mem Zayin, where Rav uh, was asked about about moving a lit nair on Shabbat if the Zoroastrians were coming, because of the danger involved. Rashi says, and he points immediately to the Persian priests who have the ability to trash your house, and therefore it was dangerous. Why is Rashi saying that? A brighta should be composed in Eretz Yisrael. A brighta is composed at the time of the Tanaim. This is both out of place and out of time to say Bishata Sakana is the the uh the Sasanian era Zoroastrian priests. El Arashi recognizes that this line is not part of the Braita. Vishata Sakana is part of a different reality. And what would they do in Bavel? Minichal Shulchanov Dayo. And the Pimchas pointed out, so what is how does Rava follow that up? In that case, if it's in your house, you need Nerachheret. If it's in your house, you need Nerachheret, which means if your nair is outside, like it should be, 
you don't need Nir Acheret because you're not reading. You're not work using it. But if you're in the house and you want to cook, you want to read, you want to do do your books, whatever it is, you need a Nir Acheret. And that's why if there's a Medura going in the house, you don't need it. But to make sure that everybody will recognize that that Nair that's lit, because think about this, if you walk in the house and you see a beautiful fire going in the fireplace, or in our day, a well-lit room, and there's a nair on the table, you know the nair is not for use, it's for something else. But if this guy is somebody who always has his own private nair, then you need a nair acheret, because people will think that nair is not for Hanukkah, it's for his own private use. And so what we have here is essentially a hybrid that happens in the 5th or 6th century when the Gemara is being edited, between the traditions of Eretz Yisrael, which involved one ner per household, either increasing or decreasing every day, either starting with eight going down to one, or one up to eight, Beit Shammah, Beit Hillel disagreeing about it. For whatever reason, this disagreement, and to get into this would take beyond what we, what we have time for today, but this disagreement was allowed to continue well past the Tanaitic era, so that even in Saidan in the third century, people were doing different ways and nobody was bothered by that difference in, in practice. And, and the, and the tradition in Bavel was always to have one typically delighted indoors. And therefore you need a shamash. And therefore if you have multiple wicks coming out, it'll count for multiple people, but not for multiple nights because the night doesn't matter in Bavel. It's one per night. And then if you're Mahadrin, one per person each night, and that's it. And um, and thus, what you end up having is this hybrid brighta, looks like a brighta, that's really these different traditions thrown in together. And so hopefully this helps explain some of the strange things going on. And what Rupinchas pointed out, I think here, which is in line with what I'm saying, is substantiated by the Rambam. Look at the Rambam, we'll end with this. The Rambam says at the end, in, in, in the fourth chapter of Nerech, of, uh, Now this is, of course, after, well after the hybridization and bring all the traditions together. The mitzvah is to put it on the outside. But tefach, samuch, lepetach, right next to the door. Al small, and ichas, the bayit, on the left side. Peshtem, azuzami, amin, v'nerech, hanukkah, v'small. The Gemara says, you have nerech, hanukkah, on one side, and mezuz, on the other side. If it's too high, then it's not seen like sukkah, like mavui, etc. Okay, notice, that's one halakha, and what does he leave out of that halakha? He leaves out shata sakana. He leaves out times of danger. And then he says, bimea sakana, in a separate halakha, watch this, you can put the Ner Hanukkah on your, in, on your, um, in your house. Even on your own kitchen table. Your own table is enough. And by the way, there's Kisumanisa, like Tosa said, for the people in the house. Where does he put Shamish? Only there. Notice, the Rambam says, ideally put Ner Hanukkah outside. And if you're living aloft, then don't put it too high. And he doesn't mention the shamish. Where does he mention the shamish? When there's times of danger and you're lighting Ner Hanukkah indoors, then And by the way, he doesn't say if you want to use the light. He says you need an Ner Why? Because typically if there's light there, you're gonna, it's in your house. 
But if it's already a well-lit room, the fire is going in the fireplace, you don't need Ne'er But if you're an important person who doesn't use the light of Medurah, you always have your own private torch, then you need a Ne'er Notice how the Rambam divides it and where he puts the Shamash. He must read the sugya the way we read the sugya. That's what I'm going to claim. As he reads the sugya here, Amarava is being a continuation and a comment on this. Bishata Sakana, you put it indoors, and in that case, you need an, uh, you need another nair in order to be able to use the light. And in Pinchas, you caught that right away, that, the, that these two things are tied together. So hopefully what we've done over the past uh, 35 minutes is to take a look at this very well-known central sugya of Hanukkah, ask a series of questions about it, and then reorient ourselves to what we're actually looking at, which hopefully resolves the questions and explains a whole bunch of other sugyot in Hanukkah. The final result, of course, was that the two traditions got, um, shall we say, hybridized into one, and that's, of course, our practice till today.